Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to 15-Minute Free Thinking with Carpo, or Joshua, or if you prefer. How about I just play my intro song, and you can hear what welcome I have to, to say. Welcome to the show. My name is Carpo, or Joshua, or if that sounds better. 15 minutes free thinking, maybe a little drinking. Promise that I'll keep it together. That I would like to share So grab your headphones and a snack And head into your favorite chair Or maybe you prefer to listen While you comb your hair Or feed a bear Just don't care as long as you are happy there <laughs> And I wrote that song A couple weeks ago For the uh, podcast And I thought that I would just Throw that in there As kind of a half joke You start out a uh, podcast with your intro song and mine tended to be a little bit absurd I did it as a one time through recording I'm a musician as well but I didn't really put a whole lot of effort into perfecting it it was just something goofy off the cuff and I thought it represented my style perfectly because that seems to be what I do I talk about things off the cuff thoughts that I have but it's not as simple as that I'm not just sitting here behind the microphone talking about random things. As I sit here, I have hundreds of words written in notes just lined up around me in a semicircle hanging off my computer, one, two, three, four, five, six pages. By the time I get to making a podcast, the notes I have are so immense. There's so many that I feel like it's a daunting task. Which is funny, because I feel like many folks might think it's easy to just sit behind a microphone or a camera and just talk about things. It is, at times. But it's more difficult when you haven't talked in a while. And it's been a couple weeks since I made a podcast, so I figured it was time. Uh, Perhaps I should actually just play the rest of the intro song, just so you can hear it, because it's, uh, it's always been kind of a fun song. Here we go. Sisters and brothers, so let go of a bias for just a short while. I promise at least a slight smile. Feel free to send me any ideas you may see as mystery with that which we collectively refuse to see. Thank you to my patrons and my family and friends for your support. And amen to that, right? I mean, the learning never ends, right? What else can you say? For me to sit here and say that you're being educated might be a little bit arrogant, but uh, I'm just going to sigh for a minute, sit back, gain my thoughts here, gather my thoughts and ideas, and figure out exactly where to start. It's a crazy time right now, a very crazy time for a lot of people. Uh, I should say for the world, but that's not just because of any specific event or issue that's going on. That's because we live in a crazy world, and life is wild. It has many different facets. One day, everything can be going just fine. The next minute you turn around, everything goes to shit. So today, I'd like to talk a little bit about how to overcome that. And I'm going to try to stay on subject with my several pages of notes. 
These are all various notes, which I'll probably pick and choose parts of them that I find useful. <clears throat> and useful for you as well. But especially to realize that that's similar to the way I look at anything. Beliefs, po politics, religion. You pick out the parts that work for you. You know, I wrote this very short little two-sentence poem I want to read to you. It says... We fail to see that change is what existence means from start to end. Staring through the fog, the void stares back. So is it foe or friend. And you can play that back if you want to hear it again. But what I meant by that was we fail to see the change. We, we fail to see that life is all change from the beginning till you die. And bef before you are born... And after you're gone, long after you're gone, our short time on this planet leads us to a couple different ideas. One is that we're meaningless and we have no purpose. The other is that we have some grand purpose and that we are put here for a reason by a God. And somewhere in between is where a majority of people lie. That there might be a blueprint, humans may or may not be important, um, our personal lives may or may not be important to the big picture, but I think all of us can step back for a minute and look at what it means to be alive. You know, humans have never been very tolerant of change. Anything that disturbs the status quo is resisted by society. And this is the way it's always been. This is why people who call themselves liberals or want change are often so harshly resisted by people. It's not because others are dumb or have you know, conservatives are idiots and don't know what they're talking about. And believe me, this is not going to be political. I'm just starting off here with this point, because right now people are so divided. It's so hard to talk to people about anything. We have social media addiction and that dopamine rush that people get from going on, clicking, hitting like, getting likes, you know, it causes a delusional version of reality and purpose. But I'm not one of those old-timers that says, those damn kids now with the internet. Of course not. I realized that it was always that way. Before that, it was TV. Or it was radio. There was a time a couple hundred years ago when, well, it was about in the early 1900s, I believe, actually. Uh, about 120 years ago when these uh, I saw these ads for... Uh, people who were writing into, you know, journals and complaining because all the family was sitting around reading their own magazines and comic books instead of, well, not comic books at that time, but mostly just magazines. And they were afraid that the family unit was going to be destroyed by magazines and people reading their own books. <clears throat> that might sound absurd, but you go back far enough, people weren't allowed to own books. Even people who were religious weren't allowed to own Bibles a lot of the time through history. We are living on the precipice of humanity right now, a very unique time in history, and it's hard for us to gauge that because we are living through it. And I think most of us feel it, we understand it, but we also step back and say, well, every generation feels this. But it really is different. We can destroy ourselves now. I mean, we could light all the forests on fire around us when we were you know, in our infancy. 2,000 years ago, humans could have gone out and tried to do everything they could to destroy the earth, and they'd be pretty much, you know, it, it wouldn't have any point. 
But since I was born, the population's doubled. Now that, to me, is absolutely insane. That goes against everything that natural law and balance seems to hint at. That we have really pushed ourselves to our limits right now. So talking about these things is, is on the balancing on the precipice of being negative or being honest. For example, we are living through a extreme, you know, case of climate change right now, and we might disagree on where it's coming from. But you know what's funny? <sighs> you know, it's not our fault. I mean... These are systems we were forced into. I'm not saying that people didn't make bad decisions. I'm just saying as individuals, we can't survive without what we have with fossil fuels. So I wanted to briefly go over because I had this, um, these, something I had looked at, you know, several, probably a year ago by now. But uh, all the different ideas people have had over the years to try to mitigate global warming, right? They had talked about so many absurd things, but I, one of them was putting sand on the glaciers, reflective sand on the glaciers in Antarctica. One of them was putting reflective sand on the seafloor. And of course, then there's geoengineering, which you would call chemtrails or cloud seeding, many different things which have occurred over the you know, history of humankind. I don't believe every contrail is a chemtrail. I don't want to go into that right now. But uh, the other ones are carbon scrubbers, these units that are supposed to clean carbon out of the air. Um, and all of these sound absurd to me, but I'm going to go through the list. Um, they've talked about pumping carbon dioxide into wells underground. They've talked about dumping iron into the sea to feed the plankton. Now, this is a real thing. Feed the plankton because they eat iron. Um, and hope that they will eat the CO2. One of the ideas was planting trees. Now this is the oldest, of course. It would take trees, a group of trees the size of Canada, and not just once, but like every year, I think, uh, in order to offset our carbon emissions. Now, uh, I've looked into all these things. These are all real issues. Uh, one person, uh, or one theory, one idea was to paint houses white in areas where a lot of houses are dark. Another one was to plant more pale crops, so wheat that maybe absorbs, uh, or that reflects sunlight rather than absorbs. And <laughs> I'm sorry, but these two just sound absurd. I mean, planting, painting houses white and planting pale crops. I understand planting rooftop gardens, things like that, but, you know, this is just nothing compared to what we're facing. Another one was to put reflective sheets in the desert. Another one was to have giant space mirrors, which my research showed that you would need 1.6 million square kilometers in order to reflect enough sun to offset carbon emissions. It would just be a ridiculous thing. Um, I think, you know, we are living through an interesting time and people are doing everything they can. People, um, wow, you know, the amount of farming that we do and the types of leaching compounds, you know, phosphates and whatnot that go into the ocean 
<clears throat> and into the rivers are extremely damaging to the environment. And they're extremely damaging to sea life, you know. But what do we do about that? There's nothing we can do because we need to eat. And uh, meanwhile, people have all their different diets, all their different interests and <laughs> what they think is important. You know, what they're willing to tolerate as far as I'm going to, you know, use these resources even though I know that it's harmful to the environment because I have to use them. And like I said, when we're on the subject of climate change, it's extremely complex. Um, it's I'm not sitting here telling you that it's all man-made. There's natural versus man-made. There's ice ages. We also have localized pollution. Um, the, there's carbon on the seafloor, in the soil, tundra, ice, in the clouds, forests. Uh, they're a full system. The forests call in the clouds. They... The terpenes can actually, you know, when when it's very dry out, the small molecules in the terpenes can float up into the atmosphere and be used as a nuclei for water and rain droplets to form. The forest can call in the rain, but when the forest is gone, there's no more calling in the rain. But, um, you know, what humans have done that makes this, you know, unique as far as this energy cycle is we're utilizing oil. And one thing that always amazed me is that so many people don't realize what oil really is. And I know it's okay, you know, we're all guilty, you know, of not knowing a lot of things. Because there's too much, the media just gives us garbage. That's for another part of this discussion. But the oil is our ancient energy reserves, which our ancestors, not our literal ancestors as humans, but... Uh, our, you know, genetic ancestors are the, the old forests and uh, various dinosaurs that lived over time. Uh, these, these carbon deposits become these oil fields. And we only have so many of them, you know, until we have to just kind of like use, leach it out of these, uh, you know, these deposits like the tar sands up in, you know, Vancouver and or up in BC, which are completely, you know, there have been a lot of fights against that. Energy is becoming a major issue right now. Uh, fracking, of course, is another method, but it's not safe either for drinking water locally. So I'm not here saying that we shouldn't be doing any form of carbon extraction. We need to, or we all die. We're stuck there. But we don't know which issues and which things we can mitigate. We don't know which methods might work to help us. But here's the thing. Is it arrogant to think that we can even destroy the planet? Or is it arrogant to think that we cannot affect the planet? This is a question I've wrestled with and have ambivalence with for a long time. But what I've come to the conclusion is, who has the most money and interest to stop the protections on the environment? And I've done my own math on that. You know, mining trails and mines, there's so many hundreds of thousands of mines left behind. The real cost is not in momentary costs or even the people that live there at the moment who can't drink their water, but rather uh, the long-term damage to, you know, the area around it. Just like monoculture, people are harvesting a lot of wheat and certain, you know, 
one monoculture crop, which is just one crop of one type. And that works for a while. But that's what I call progress with no destination. It's something that I've been fascinated with, you know, for at least a, the last five or six years. I've really been thinking about this a lot. Where are humans trying to go? What's the point? Why do they want to get there? I mean, I've considered this my whole life, but I've been trying to use that as kind of an, a way to talk to people about this. Like, okay, so you want to earn more money to do what? To pass it on to your kids so they can have more money? What What is the long-term goal? And rather, how much do we want to be selfish versus, you know, a kind of socialist, I guess, which is what people would just declare it. Caring about others, which is something that comes natural to me. I just care about my neighbors and my friends. If somebody's suffering, it's hard. And I know a lot of my neighbors feel that way too. And that's why we have things like food banks. That's why we have things like, you know, donations and, and donation centers where people really care. They do care about other people. And then there's others who just say, well, if you're homeless, it's your own damn fault and screw you. And those people I don't really put down and point the finger out because maybe they've already been through that. Maybe they've been able to deal with their you know, stress and they're overcome some hard shit in their life. So they say, well, if I can make it, anybody else should too. But often it's, it's hard to just look at the reality and, and be honest and really care about each other. But, uh, the issue we have with monoculture, as I was saying, is that, and progress with no destination is that it's not sustainable. If there's one major virus, it can just destroy a crop uh, just like humans, right? Uh, soybeans, avocados, uh, cocoa, you know, they're all, you know, harvested through child labor and then they're subsidized, just like the real cost of food is subsidized by you. Beef costs three times or so more than uh, the actual price you pay in the store or at the restaurant. People just sit there and line at Burger King or McDonald's, and I'm sorry if you're one of those people, but every time I drive by, I'm just disgusted. There might be a line of 20 people waiting to go through the McDonald's drive-thru, and I think, this disgusts me, you know? I honestly, just feel, wow, these people are feeding their family this crap. And <laughs> not realizing that even McDonald's is subsidized by the government. I mean, all these, the meat is subsidized because the real cost of a burger, I mean, think about it. Do you really think a bunch of chicken nuggets should cost you a dollar? That is absolutely preposterous. There's absolutely no way that that portion of chicken should cost a dollar, even if they're half not chicken. Uh, but anyhow, um, they're subsidized by you. So even if you're a vegan, you're paying part of your taxes to subsidize meat, and people need to know that. But here's the problem. When somebody wants to address this, when they want to go into a place and say, hey, I want, to, I want to see what's going on at these pig farms. I want to see how my food's made. They're kicked out. It's like being in a casino. There's no accountability, not just by these companies, but by the representatives in these states who basically are paid, bought and paid for by these companies. Because the representatives are lobbied at, you know, that's how they get their damn positions. And so, any of us who care, let's just give me give you an example. A person like myself who cares and speaks out against these kinds of things, there's always going to be somebody who's going to say, 
Hey man, you're just a damn tree hugger. <laughs> and I think to myself, you know, yeah, I am. And what is wrong with that? What is wrong with caring about the environment and the people that live in it? Because caring about trees is caring about people. It's caring about everything. It's just that I think that a lot of people don't know what to do. And especially if their lives depend on these things. So, but you know, it's always been this way, but now we have nowhere to start over. You know, all through history, we've destroyed the planet, destroyed our own little mini environments, and then moved on to somewhere else. And there's nowhere to go. And then at a time like this, we have not just, you know, what's happening right now, not to be too negative here, because, you know, I have a positive outlook on the future for myself and my family, because I feel like we can do whatever we dream of, as long as we put our mind first and we focus and... Uh, we're trying to buy land. I know that I need to make some changes in order to get what I want in life, but mostly it comes down to making money. That's what I've found. I don't have enough money to do the things I want. I'm stuck in a society where I'm forced to make money, and I refuse to cheat or lie to anybody. So that puts me in one of those categories where I have to be honest, and they always say the honest guys, you know, they finish last, right? but I don't care. That's how it is. We live in an age of distrust because of liars. And you know, I said the other day, the evolution of human knowledge seems to have hit rock lobster bottom. Rock lobster? <laughs> Hitting bottom in the sense that we can do better from here on out. You know, I mean, look at what's happening right now with this virus. Wearing a mask is not about you being protected as much as other people being protected from your spit. But people cannot even do that. There are still people who argue with a clerk in a store and make somebody who's just working, an American blue-collar worker at a store, who's just following the rules of their company, right? And a guy walks in and says, I'm not wearing a mask, and then they have to be argued with and taken out. How do you think that makes the worker feel? What it is, is it's fighting amongst ourselves over something as simple as a mask. But there are a lot of people sticking together right now among the division. And one thing I have learned that's crucial is character is revealed in times of crisis. <laughs> what is freedom, you know? I mean, what does it require to be free. I'd say it requires listening to each other's concerns. That's why I listen to people who I disagree with, because I feel it's my obligation as an American, but as a human first. Empathy is in very short supply in some groups right now, and in a lot of groups, I should say with all people, but you can't blame people for not having trust in a system that regularly shows its failures. Being stressed out produces cortisol, fight or flight. It's a breakdown of reason. It's a breakdown of giving a shit when people lose interest in the future because they don't know what the fuck they're going to do or where they're going to get their next paycheck. And I care so much about that because we've been lucky. I mean, we don't have much money. I'm not, I don't have shit, you know? 
why would I even care about Patreon if I had money, right? Because it's only like 100 bucks a month. Because every little bit helps when you're broke. And I understand where a lot of you are coming from. You're even more broke than I am, right? We're all in our own situations. But we do know that when we're stressed out in situations like this, especially when people are broke or really hating it, it causes cortisol to be, you know, cortisol is something the body produces when you're stressed out, which a lot of people attribute to making you fat. It's more complicated than that. But uh, cortisol helps. It's like the fight or flight hormone. And you basically, uh, if you live in that state all the time, it breaks you down. But the reason a lot of people live in stress is because we can't grasp the full truth because of the media is just feeding us bullshit lies that we don't need. I'm serious about this. You hear it everywhere. I mean, yeah, the media lies, the media lies. Look, the media tells you stories that are real, but the stories are blown out of proportion, and then they're repeated and repeated. You can see Associated Press post something, then everybody repeats the fucking story. It gets so absurd that you just don't, you just shake your head. I mean, intelligent people just walk away and don't know what to think. It's like, we know that people are being propagandized and they're being fed this bullshit constantly, and they believe it. But we can't grasp the truth as a society, so every day there's new things to know. Not that they matter, but we give up on facts and revert to superstition and xenophobia because we want to blame some other group, other culture, other race, other sex, the green people, the blue people, and once we discover aliens, it'll be their fault. Because that's just how fucking stupid we are. And any alien race who has visited would know that. That if humans discover them, we're not going to come peacefully. We're going to try to dissect them and kill them. The reason it's been in every movie like that is because that's how humans think. You know? But judgment is something that a lot of humans have for one another that we need to back off from. But in this age of distrust, we want to trust experts, but they're biased too, which is the reason why a lot of people don't even believe Fauci, the guy, in, you know, the health expert in America who's received death threats and his family. This guy's family has received death threats. So no matter what you think about the guy, you know, the idea that you would get death threats, it's just complete bullshit. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And over him trying to inform people. But if you go back months, you find out that a lot of the experts, so-called experts, weren't just full of shit, but they were just feeding us bullshit because, you know, there weren't enough masks, so don't wear masks. But I was telling people even back then, you know, it's important that we care about one another and, and at least wear a mask to protect one another, and people just looked at me like an idiot. And still, today, months later, I feel the same way. But it's okay to change our opinions. I've also realized lockdowns don't work. And I've altered my view on how a society should deal with the pandemic after looking at the information. But I feel like the people who are always against masks just still refuse to concede and have any, you know, cooperation or any incentive to give a shit. And who do we trust and why? There has to be an incentive to trust people and to care about what they have to say. Adapting to change is a strength. And that's what life is. It's change, not stagnant. And this change requires chaos at times. And some people cannot handle that. 
So when you come up with a word like, say, snowflake, uh, the truth is a lot of the people who are more conservative tend to be the ones I would think of as a snowflake. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not being political in that sense because my friends feel that same. I have friends who, you know, are completely different political viewpoint than me. There's nothing wrong with that because what really matters is the underlying values and morals you have. Who you care about, your honesty, your integrity. You know, what do you want out of life and and are you the kind of friend who could be left alone in somebody's house and not steal their shit? Something that simple <laughs> is really hard to find in this world sometimes. It really is. It's like the other day I was going through my notebook and I found these notes that I'd taken. And I was like, there's, it says something, there's three different types of people when it comes to knowledge. There's the hunters, the filter feeders, and the bottom feeders. You know, the hunter seeks information out, actively seeks out knowledge. The filter feeder only consumes what info passes by them. But, as a filter feeder would, they leave behind what they don't want. So they only believe what works. Confirmation bias. And then there's bottom feeders, which are the more extreme version, the extreme opposite of hunter or filter. They don't even consume information. They just make up their own stories. They have no interest in what the world says. Everybody's fucked up and, you know, kind of like the Amish type of viewpoint. But honestly, I totally respect the Amish. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the bottom feeders would be more like the suckers, the consumers, the what you would call the losers, but not people that we would deem losers, not just homeless people, but rather I would think the losers are the ones who make good money and then spend it all on expensive watches and jewelry. Morons. Much more of a moron than the person who lives in a small modest house and just gets by. Um, the real losers are the ones who don't know how to manage their money or their time. But those are my thoughts. Um... So I'd just like to go through a few simple rules for knowledge that I consider important. And I took a little list here, and I thought it was important to share that with you. Number one, learn many different things and areas of knowledge. Be a Renaissance man or woman, as I've said before. And I think that that's a crucial one, because... We have to know a lot about, at least a little about everything in order to make a legitimate choice. You know, we can't vote if we're ignorant. This is why we have, say, in the, this was the argument for the electoral college in this country, that Americans basically are too fucking stupid to vote for themselves. That's why we have others who <laughs> run the electoral college and vote for the people. But it's more complicated than that. But in a way, there's always been this idea that people don't have the right knowledge to know what they're voting for or doing, right? But if you know a lot of different things, you can at least make a good assessment about life as best you can, because you'll always be wrong in some way. Number two, don't get too attached to what you learn. That means whether it's beliefs religion, your studies, your theories, your science, your intellectualism. 
you have to be able to let go of the bullshit. If you get attached to what you learn and you think that that's all that matters, it's like the, everybody's met the college kid who just read some famous book and then they're talking about it because they think that they're wise because they got a couple classes on ancient culture and you know what I'm saying. It's an old modest mouse line that I think of, you know, the, the, all the big words you must have learned in college. I laugh at intellectuals. I, I make an effort to use smaller words, not try to over-impress people because I just want to be on the level of human being if that makes sense. So, sorry to get off track there, but you got to let go of the bullshit and not be attached to what you learn. You don't own it. It's just passing knowledge, right? And you might be wrong. So number three in the simple rules for knowledge list. Number three is you use caution declaring good or bad things or ideas. This one I cannot stress enough. If you think that you know what's good or bad, and I'm talking about more subtle things. Sure. Okay, you have an idea you shouldn't murder. That makes sense, right? But when you really break it down philosophically, of course, even that, you have issues of, well, what if it's, uh, you know, saving somebody else's? What about the trolley problem? That's an old philosophical thought. And if you're not familiar, you can look that one up. The trolley problem would, you know, always apply. There's so many philosophical conundrums. But, um... You have to use caution declaring things are good or bad right away. You have to be able to look at it, even in the long run. Things happen that you're not quite sure why. Number four, use Occam's razor. Occam's razor is very simple. It says that whatever the most likely story is, is probably what happened. And that's not always true. Definitely not always true. A lot of the times, Occam's razor does not apply, and weird shit happens. But most of the time, it will apply. Therefore, it's at least careful. You have to look, give that at least the credit first, instead of thinking it's the Illuminati on the moon sending a signal to us or something, you know, whatever it might be. Number five of simple rules for knowledge is to use reason not emotion and that's an extreme caution caution red light red light you know uh, emotion clouds judgment right but there's a certain degree of emotion that you feel when you have a subconscious disgust or realization about something. Sometimes you can be wrong. I mean, this is, I'm going by my own feelings and what I've experienced, but what I've analyzed in others too. You know, using reason is is very important, but also you can't let your emotions rule you, but there is a little bit of emotion that you have to use. Uh, but you can't let that cloud your judgment. You have to look at things as much as you can objectively. And that's difficult. Number six, what works now might not work later. Be ready to change your truth. And I'll say, this is a hard one. If somebody goes out and says, hey, I believe uh, that uh, this is a chakra chart that shows me everything, and this is a certain uh, method to cure all these problems with your chakras, and then they realize they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Well, it's very hard for people to change their truth, especially if they're making money off of it. And this is why I call out all of these fake-ass horoscope palm reader charlatans trying to get rich on people. 
the mystical is subjective. You know, I hate to be the bringer of bad news, but nobody's going to predict your future or your past. There's no crystal balls, psychic readings. It's all false promises, and this is why they're sitting in these little buildings and trying to get your money. I, I know it seems mystical. It seems exciting. Believe me, there's nothing I'd like to believe more than the psychics are the real deal. But so far, I am not convinced whatsoever, nor with people who are channeling aliens or anything else. There is a positive side to this. If you let go of demons, crystal balls, psychic belongings and readings and false promises, you no longer need to believe in trolls, monsters, possessions. You no longer think that epilepsy is a possession by the devil, like many of these ancient people believed. You no longer have to worry about taking just only natural medicine, which is just herbs people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And look, I say this as a guy who, I call myself an herbalist. You know, I've sold herbs for years, but I also study herbs. I have many interests in psychoactive plants, uh, psychedelics, fascinating history with that that uh, I'd love to share in the near future here. But, in fact, I'd love to do a podcast tripping with somebody. That would be fun. Um, <coughs> but anyhow, um, we don't have to believe in trolls and monsters and witches, and um, beliefs do have a positive side. They give comfort, but they also give someone else the blame for our problems. A false sense of security is still, still security. So, when people think that they can stick to their group, <sighs> reminds me of a movie that M. Night Shyamalan won, The Village, and just popped into my mind where all the people live behind a wall and they think that it's all evil out there and there's all these creatures, but really it's just, you know, cities and they live in this little isolated area, you know. Sorry, uh, it's kind of a spoiler alert there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's just a lot of bullshit out there and it's important that we be able to sort through it. What does matter? What does matter is knowledge that you can benefit from. If you watch the media, if you watch the news each day, you'll find these little stories that have no bearing on your life whatsoever. Some of them might be heartwarming, but one of them's going to be about the guy that was hiding in some kid's closet. The next one's going to be about, you know, some guy who was a mass murderer who was just caught after decapitating all these people, or how horrible that person had it in this other country. And then there's an inspiring story about somebody who got a kitten with one leg and put a fucking stick on there. I'm sorry to sound cynical, but that's kind of the world we live in. You know, that I should say the media world we we live in if we pay attention to that shit. Now I haven't watched mainstream media haven't had cable in several years, at least probably ten years. I have no interest in ever watching any type of network cable. Um I realize how pathetic it was that I used to watch the news and think that it was even worth watching. I never thought I was informed. I was never fooled and realized I'd been lied to. I mean, from the time I was like 16, I was reading books about conspiracies and the government. So I knew that the media was controlled before I was even out of high school. But still, you watch it because you know the local news is going to give you what's going on locally, at least, right? Not always, but a lot of the time they do. Uh, at least, you know, tell you what's going on with the bridge closures, things like that, right? So, anyway, I should move on to the next uh, simple rules for knowledge to finalize this. I kind of went way off on that one. That was about being ready to change your truth. But number seven, 
on the list of simple rules for knowledge. Don't let ego cloud your ability to admit that you were wrong. And especially give credit when another is right. This is probably the most difficult for people. How often do you hear folks say, Hey man, you were to I was totally wrong and yeah, you were right and I'm a fool. It does happen, more and more. But it's difficult for people to admit that. And it happens, but you don't hear it in public because people are embarrassed about it. Why is it embarrassing to admit you were wrong? If you do this publicly, you're called wishy-washy. You're called a flip-flopper in politics. Do you? I remember the story of a guy who flip-flopped by saying, I realized that can't... He was called out for saying he supported cannabis now. And they were like, you're just a sellout. He said, no. Look... I was given the information that cannabis was harmful, that it killed people, that they would go crazy, and that it was a horrible drug, and I was raised to believe this. I did the research. I found out I was wrong. And now I admit that I was wrong, and I'm voting differently. Amazing. A fucking politician, you know, standing up and saying, I changed my mind. He gained so much respect for that. Why can't we just do that? Why can't we be honest with one another? But our ego clouds it because we're afraid. We think that we're going to be like, ha ha, people are going to point their finger and say that we were wrong. And that's okay. Let it go. Number eight is speak your truth always. Don't let peer pressure affect what you think is true. Ever. Ever. Never say something or agree with a group of people just because it's peer pressure, unless your life is at stake or something, and you have to agree or you die. I mean, who knows? But, you know, it's easy for people to just kind of laugh at a racist joke or something when they don't feel comfortable with it. I was always the guy in the workplace who said, no, that's bullshit. I don't like that. What the fuck? Look the guy in the eye and be like, dude, you're fucked up. What the hell's that shit about? Uh, number nine, ask what it is to lose or gain by knowing something. You might think that you want to know everything you can. But you might find that's completely mistaken. Sometimes when you know things, you wish you had never found that out. And I think you all know exactly what I'm talking about. I should say, you all know generally what I'm talking about. The story could be unique for each individual. Maybe you see something that's really gross online, or you hear a story about something so sad you wish you'd never known it, or you look up some sort of an ailment because you think that you're getting sick and you find out you think you have cancer and you're dying. A million things. Ask what's to gain or lose by knowing something or by looking it up or by trying to understand something because not all knowledge is equal. And finally, number 10, which is the most basic one, should be number one. <sighs> beware of propaganda. And propaganda comes in many forms, but ultimately, the only way to identify propaganda is to step back and identify intentions. Intentions of the person who's telling you something. And I mean, <laughs> there are so many different opinions out there about what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. But I don't necessarily think that... <laughs> Look, people have been buying into propaganda for years. And this is why I think a lot of people are scared of the vaccine, the virus, the whole situation going on. 
And I think the scariest thing about it is that people are misinformed. For example, right now, that will date this. If I talk about this specifically, when I talk about the virus, that will date this video. One of the things I like to do is try to talk about a subject that can be looked at or listened to five years from now. And I want people to be able to gain from these without being stuck in some modern news cycle. That's what I try to avoid. But I have to bring up COVID-19 because it's going to endure into the future. It's going to be a huge thing that we're going to be talking about for decades to come. But there are vaccine fears, fears that it's going to be forced, which I do not believe it will be. Um, people say that it's to depopulate the earth, which there would be much easier ways to do that. Uh, there's de debates about the death rate and, you know, how many people it really kills. They, there's even an argument that it only kills people with pre-existing conditions or that are old. And I just facepalm when I think, yes, so, these are people too. A lot of people who have pre-existing conditions would like to live another couple decades and not die right away. But we all know someone in America with a pre-existing condition. We don't even know if we can get it twice, which is why the vaccine might be useless in a year. We don't know. One of the most interesting things about COVID-19 is that these sports teams get tested over the healthcare workers. They're tested regularly, so we can go back to sports. And what that tells me is that what's more important to Americans is entertainment. But I'm not surprised. It's always been that way. The priorities suck in the United States of America. There's always been a war on socialism, even though we win our checks in the end, because socialism is paying in and getting back, which is what taxes are. When people say, I get my social security check, but I paid into that, well, you paid into a lot of things, school, roads, everything else, but selfishness is so celebrated in this country that it's hard to even talk about it. Change is unavoidable. We are now facing a pandemic which is forcing people to work from home. F small businesses are collapsing. I do not believe in lockdowns or that we should be in a situation of lockdown because at this point it's too late. Too many small businesses will fail and the large corporations will be able to dominate. Many cities are losing billions in tax revenue, wages. You know, in the future, inflation is going to be a huge problem. So... We are on a downhill trend, and there's going to be an exodus from the cities. Which brings me back to why information is important, because we need to know what's going on. So I'm going to finalize this now. I appreciate all of you who came to listen and took the time to listen to what I have to say. Especially uh, thank you to my patrons who support me on Patreon. And I realize a lot of people don't have the ability to do a monthly donation if people would like to support me through PayPal. I'm going to uh, put a link in the description, and you can do one-time payments through there if you would like to support my efforts. It's uh, my passion to share information, <laughs> but, you know, I realize not everybody can help fund that, uh, that effort, and that's fine with me. I have a lot of questions like you do. Putting up all the notes and taking the time I figure is worth at least something. But I do it because I love it and I like sharing with all of y'all. We have to go by our intuition, do the best we can, 
try to help one another many different opinions there we're destroying ourselves our planet and our economy and everything else through ignorance and we're acting as if you know we can get all this back we've come a long way as a species but we're going to lose it if we don't pay attention i'd like to finish this off by uh saying thank you to my patrons i mean my patrons are my you know, you guys have helped me make this channel what it is. And I appreciate it extremely. But, well, let me just say, maybe you haven't made this channel what it is. I've made this channel what it is. But um, I'm glad to have people who at least help me out. And um, I'm going to read off my patron list because I haven't done that in a couple videos here. Josh O'Brien, my friend, thank you so much. Um, Zelda Zonk, Tim Smith, River Milliken, Adam Manzinson, Matt Hemingway, Jake Dugan, MJ Pritchett, Sean Fitzpatrick, Rochelle Borth, Bill Hunt, Highway Child, Seam uh, Bob J. McBroderick, <laughs> Rob Franzen, Chris Morales, Algiridis Vallis, William Hall, Brianna Rotten, Jake Alberg, Sean Schwartzwelder, Alexander J. Walpole, Russell, Pia Ewings, Riku Ilvenen, The Hill and Moon, Mumps, John Peterson, Joshua Nicholson, Don Starnes, and Deborah Chan. Thank you all so much for your donations and your time. And for anybody who would like to contribute, just look in the description. And this, I'm going to leave you with a song I wrote the other day. It's called Breathe In Deep. Embracing that which we cannot Thanks, everybody, for coming along. Have a wonderful evening. And take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Much love.